It's one o'clock. I'm Steve Dunthorne. The headlines. The museum commemorating the June 4th crackdown is closed by its operator as a licensing investigation is launched. The chief executive identifies helping retirees move to the mainland as a key part of her population strategy. And officials welcome a decision by scientific experts to stop making an announcement every time a recently vaccinated person dies. The operators of the June 4th Museum have closed its doors temporarily, hours after officials accused it of operating as a place of public entertainment without the required licences. Violet Wong reports. The Hong Kong Alliance, in support of patriotic democratic movements of China, said it would seek legal advice to protect its staff and visitors. It thanked the 550 people who it said visited the museum since it reopened on Sunday and called on people to commemorate the 1989 Tiananmen crackdown by themselves in a safe and peaceful manner. The alliance was forced to scrap plans for its annual vigil in Victoria Park on Friday as well as a march, with authorities citing social distancing rules. Officers from the Food and Environmental Hygiene Department turned up at the museum yesterday, an unprecedented move according to the alliance. The department said it was following up on complaints. This elderly man attempted to visit the museum this morning to find it closed. Every year I go to Victoria Park to attend the June 4th vigil, but I can't this year, so I thought I would visit the museum today to commemorate the event as I had time. But again, I find I can't. It's very regrettable. June 4th is a big incident to the Chinese people. I will never forget it. I hope the movement will be vindicated. Pro-Beijing lawmaker Alice Mack rejected the suggestion that the investigation into the museum amounts to political suppression. She says it's improper to speculate that the investigation is intended to stop people from commemorating the Tiananmen incident just because it was launched three days before June the 4th. This is their duty, and so I think we should not have any other irrelevant thinking about this. We would not want to see a government department will have to calculate on which date or the complaints is about which organization, so they have to calculate what is the appropriate time to investigate the case. And I'm very certain that all the government departments and the officials will only exercise their power according to the law, and irrelevant of any information or any days or whatever that's not relevant to the law. The chief executive Carrie Lam says part of her strategy to tackle Hong Kong's aging population is to make it easier for elderly Hong Kongers to spend their retirement years living on the mainland. She told a question and answer session with lawmakers that developing a population policy covering the SAR 7.5 million people alone would be difficult, but it would be easier when taking into account the country's 1.4 billion citizens. Speaking through an interpreter, Mrs Lam said making it easier for people to retire elsewhere in the Greater Bay Area would change the local demographics. Many of our elderly people are now living in mainland cities. Many of them are receiving old age living allowance and living in Greater Bay Area cities. And this would lead to demographic changes. This is our policy in tackling the aging population of Hong Kong. And hopefully going forward, we can have more discussions at LegCo on these policies. The government has backed an expert committee's decision to stop reporting deaths following a COVID jab, unless there's a potential link, saying it will clear up confusion about vaccine safety. Vicky Wong reports.
The decision follows calls from some medical experts for the government to reassure the public over the safety of the vaccines in order to boost Hong Kong's low vaccination rate. Speaking in LegCo, the chief executive Carrie Lam said the decision could help reduce misunderstandings about the COVID vaccines. She also told lawmakers that while she agrees the government should lead by example, there was no plan right now to check whether civil servants are getting the jabs. Earlier in the day, the Secretary for Health, Sophia Chan, said only reporting deaths that had meaningful links to the COVID jab would be less confusing and there would still be transparency as a monthly report on the vaccine safety would still be published. The Hong Kong Football Club has told its employees that they won't receive pay rises, bonuses or promotions unless they're vaccinated against COVID-19. In a memo, General Manager Mark Pawley said that there would be bonuses of $2,000 for anyone who is vaccinated by the end of next month or who has medical exemption. There's an additional $1,000 on offer when all staff have received both jabs. Overseas and for the first time in 10 months, Britain's government has announced no new deaths from COVID-19 within 28 days of a positive test. In January this year, it was recording more than 1,800 daily deaths. Britain had previously announced zero COVID-19 fatalities on July the 30th last year, but that was under a different system of counting. But experts are still concerned about the government's plan to remove all lockdown restrictions in England in three weeks' time. Danny Altman is Professor of Immunology at Imperial College London. These are very big decisions, not just about the number of excess deaths we're prepared to tolerate, but just about what will be our future relationship with this virus. These are very big choices to take, whether we're going to be a country that will almost choose politically as a matter of policy to percolate it as an endemic infection forever, or whether we're going to be one of the countries who are really going to say, no, let's really get the job fully done and try and get it out. Joe Biden has become the first sitting U.S. president to visit the city of Tulsa in Oklahoma to commemorate the race massacre that took place there 100 years ago. Speaking at a memorial event marking the centenary of one of the worst incidents of racial violence in American history, Mr. Biden addressed the last surviving witnesses of the killing of some 300 black people by white rioters in 1921. You are three known remaining survivors of a story seen in the mirror dimly, but no longer. Now your story will be known in full view. The events we speak of today took place 100 years ago, and yet I'm the first president in 100 years ever to come to Tulsa. The U.S. Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, is in Costa Rica to meet foreign ministers from eight Central American countries to discuss the flow of migrants to the United States. At a joint news conference with the Costa Rican president, Mr. Blinken said the U.S. would provide four billion U.S. dollars over four years to help Central American countries address the root causes of mass migrations. What are they? We know. Governance, or the lack thereof. Corruption insecurity, and ultimately opportunity. Because at heart, people need to have confidence that they can put food on the table, that they can provide for themselves and for their families, and that there's actually the prospect of a better life going forward. That requires some very basic things like like jobs, (laughs) and those jobs often follow from investment. A global initiative set up to find answers to the limitations of existing renewable energy sources is being relaunched. The initiative is supported by 24 countries, including China and the US. Here's the BBC's Roger Harabin. 
Wind and solar power are plunging in price and increasing in efficiency. But there's still the problem of what happens on an overcast, windless day when these natural resources don't produce enough energy. Mission Innovation, which was set up in parallel with the Paris Climate Change Conference in 2015, has made this conundrum its top priority. It set members, including the US, UK and China, the target of developing new energy storage and improving power grid systems to resolve the problem by 2030. An international conservation agency has warned of a devastating impact on animals and plants if global temperatures rise to more than 1.5 degrees above pre-industrial levels. Here's the BBC's Kat Wiener. In a new report, Feeling the Heat, the WWF says hundreds of species are at risk, from bluebells and bumblebees to snow leopards and emperor penguins, as climate change warms oceans and landscapes and increases the frequency of extreme weather events such as floods, droughts and wildfires. Global warming is already at one degree above pre-industrial levels and the WWF says the world is on track for temperature rises that will have severe consequences not only for plants and animals but also for commercial crops such as coffee. Pope Francis has issued the most comprehensive overhaul of Roman Catholic Church laws for nearly 40 years, toughening penalties for abusing children. The new code introduces offences of grooming minors for sex and of possessing images of child abuse. The BBC's Harry Farley reports. These changes have been in the making for years. They began under Francis's predecessor, Pope Benedict XVI, in 2007 and are part of a wider effort to tackle the string of sexual and financial scandals that has hit the church. The new code has harsher penalties for abusive priests and recognises that adults, as well as children, can be victims of sexual abuse. It also says that anyone who tries to ordain a woman will be excommunicated. One aim of these changes is to give individual bishops less wiggle room in imposing penalties. In finance, the Brazilian firm JBS, the world's largest meat processing company, has told the US government that a cyber attack on its North American and Australian subsidiaries originated from Russia. It said a ransom had been demanded. Here's the BBC's Michelle Fleury. The FBI is now investigating how a major meat supplier got held for ransom. Three weeks ago, a similar incident shut down a US oil pipeline. Deputy Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre said the White House was engaging directly with the Russian government on this matter. It is also assessing the potential impact on the nation's meat supply. Workers at some JBS facilities here in the United States had just cancelled via Facebook after the crippling cyber attack affected servers that were used to power its North American and Australian IT systems. A short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 29.322. That's 145 points down on the previous close. Currency is the US dollars at 109.58 yen, the euros at 1 US dollar 22 cents, and the pound will get you 10 Hong Kong dollars and at 98 cents. To sport now on football. Carlo Ancelotti has left Everton to become head coach of Real Madrid for a second time. The 61-year-old Italian managed Real for two years between 2013 and 2015. His sudden departure from Everton comes 18 months after joining the English club. Here's the BBC's Phil McNulty. Yeah, I think Everton have been stunned by the speed of the developments. The story started to break late last night. At the end of the season, they were all planning to sit down. Ancelotti 
and the director of football, Marcel Brands, to, to plot the summer. But there was still hope that he was the person who would attract the players to take them forward. The owner, Farhad Mashiri, was going to be happy to back him again this summer. That leaves Everton looking for their sixth manager in five years. Ancelotti takes over from Zinedine Zidane at the Bernabeu in a move that Ancelotti said was an unexpected opportunity. Here's the Spanish football journalist Willem Belegay. This is not something that has been planning for months or weeks. And this kind of decision should be. Uh, you need time to, to decide if, if he's your perfect manager. But Real Madrid were waiting for Mauricio Pochettino. Uh, PSG have uh, automatically renewed his contract, so he's got two years left. So Ramadi thought, okay, uh, let's see what's around. They're not convinced yet about the likes of Xavi uh, Alonso, who's doing very well with Real Sociedad B, or Raul González, who's the former legend, who's, who's of course doing very well with Real Madrid B. And they thought, okay, Ancelotti. The Brazilian president, Jair Bolsonaro, says his decision to host football's Copa America later this month, despite a raging coronavirus pandemic, is not up for discussion. He said the tournament did not pose a health risk. It's already been moved from Colombia and Argentina. Tennis now, it's one match down and six to go as Rafael Nadal chases the 14th French Open title. Nadal had to dig deep to get past Alexei Popperin in straight sets. He denies feeling any pressure to add to his record of 20 Grand Slam titles. He also isn't bothered about being seeded third. I am the third, uh, Medvedev is the second, Novak is the first. No problem with that. I am here to try my best and uh, when when I am the third, you know that you're going to be, uh, you're going to have the chance to be in the same draw, the part of the draw than the number one or the number two. So. This time was uh, with the part of the draws you know, of the number one, but still uh, remain a lot for me to to face that that match. The semi-finals. I just won my first match, something that I'm happy with, and I'm focused on trying to go for the second one. And and that's it. No, no, other stuff don't worry me much now, honestly. Novak Djokovic breezed past tennis Sandgren in straight sets, and the women's top seed Ash Barty beat the American Bernarda Perra in three sets. Basketball, the Brooklyn Nets are heading to the conference semi-finals for the first time since 2014 after completing a four-games-to-one series victory over the Boston Celtics. Also wins for the Denver Nuggets over Portland and the Suns over the LA Lakers in Phoenix. Both those sides are up three games to two in their respective series. On the ice, the Tampa Bay Lightning beat the Carolina Hurricanes 2-1 in Raleigh to lead two games to zero in their second-round series. To end the news, top stories again. The museum commemorating the June 4th crackdown is closed by its operator as a licensing investigation is launched. And the chief executive identifies helping retirees move to the mainland as a key part of her population strategy. The news from RTHK. Light it up. Let's light it up. Let's light it up like the lights in Vegas. Light it up. Let's do it up like we hella famous. Light it up, sip in my cup, I'm all kind of faded Light it up, that's how I'm feeling, I'm just saying Let's light it up, my glass is half full, these girls have naked Light it up, just met you girl, let's act like we're dating Let's light it up, buying shots like someone else is paying Light it up, that's how I'm feeling, I'm just saying Let's light it up, I'm feeling fresh, man Just like a college kid, got a bottle at the bar, man Watch me demolish, I like the girl on the pole she knows how to polish it, and it's just astonishing. How I feel now. 
let's light it up. Light it up. Let's light it up. Let's light it up. Californication. Light it up. Let's do it up like we on vacation. Let's light it up. I'm VIP with no reservation. Light it up. Up with the stars. That's my destination. Light it up. I'm feeling fresh, man. I'm like a college kid. Got a bottle at the bar, man. Watch me demolish. I like that girl and a friend. If she down for monogenate, and all it's astonishing. How I feel. And welcome to the 123 show with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Wednesday afternoon. Wednesday, the 6th of, uh, sorry, the 2nd of June is today's date. Many thanks once again to Phil Whelan for the morning brew today. And we have a jam-packed program for you this afternoon. In about 10 minutes or so, we'll be chatting uh, with Rebecca Chung. Now, we'll be talking about the trend about semi-permanent makeup uh, here in Hong Kong. And we'll be chatting with Rebecca Chung, the founder of High Society Skin Clinic and also Princess Brows. And she'll be talking about some of the techniques that she's created, including microblading. Now, for those of you um, who who are into makeup or into semi-permanent makeup will know what microblading is. It's sort of like this tattooing of the eyebrows. So Rebecca will be talking about how she pioneered this and also the trend of uh, this sort of semi-permanent makeup here in Hong Kong. Um, And we hope to bring you that interview on Facebook Live as well. So do